2: Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Donnie Football with you for about three and a half more hours. Sean Myers behind the glass with me tonight. Still talking Steelers right now. We'll switch it up in a little bit. The Pitt Panthers host Boston College tomorrow night on the gridiron. The Pitt basketball team off to... Another exciting start. What's the ceiling with that team? Sidney Crosby did something last night for the 16th time in his career. And the Pens have won five in a row. They're starting to figure things out the second month into the season. We'll get into all that a little bit later on. But I want to take a look at the AFC playoff picture, and really determine if there is a team or teams. Who do you fear in the AFC? I'm going to rule out the teams at the bottom. Denver, even though they have some life, no, I don't feel, fear them. Tennessee, no. The Patriots, definitely no. Man, that's weird to see the Patriots at the bottom of the AFC by a game and a half. They're two and eight. Tennessee's second worst at three and six. The Jets, uh, I don't think they'll actually get Rogers back this year. And if they do, it might be too late. The Chargers, great quarterback, but that head coach is among the worst in football. That guy can't get out of his own way. The Colts, I mean, they're riding with Gardner Minshew, I wouldn't say I fear them. The Raiders, the Steelers beat them at full strength. I wouldn't say I fear them with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. That was actually probably the most complete game the Steelers played all season as well. So what about the other teams? That still leaves about eight or nine teams in the AFC Besides the Steelers that we have to fear. Right now it goes Kansas City, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Houston. Those are the one through seven. So teams like Cincinnati and Buffalo on the outside looking in. Honestly, for me right now, the only team I really fear in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. It's still only them. You can say what you want. Oh, they don't look like the same Chiefs. They'll be lucky to get that one seed by the time the season's over. But I feel like we heard those same things last year. And yet again, the Chiefs ended up with home field advantage. The playoffs having to run through their building. And yet again, they won game after game after game. They got to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. And all that should have been put to bed. Because the Chiefs, for me, they've gotten the pass to where they can look pretty unconvincing throughout most of, if not the entire regular season. If they find themselves into that one seed and you have to play the Chiefs in their building in January with Patrick Mahomes... No thank you. Absolutely not. I don't care what he looks like in the regular season. I don't care what that team looks like in the regular season. I don't care if the only guy that can catch a pass is Travis Kelsey. That playoff resume speaks for itself. A guy that will go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Patrick Mahomes. A guy that will go down... Probably in the top five to ten tight ends of all time. Mr. Taylor Swift. One of the best offensive minds of all time, Andy Reid. You get that combination in their building in January? Hell no. Not to mention that defense playing out of its mind. Just as a collective. Steve Spagnuolo doing a great job there. He'd probably have an opportunity for another head coaching gig after the season, but I'm sure that life is pretty nice in Kansas City. So let's look at some of the other teams. Baltimore, 7-3. and three. The Steelers play so well against them, though, and Lamar struggles against the Steelers. And if he doesn't struggle individually, the wide receivers fail to catch passes. We saw that firsthand a little over a month ago. For whatever reason... The Steelers have the Ravens number. John Harbaugh outsmarts himself against Mike Tomlin, and they often get into ugly games, slobber knockers, and that favors the Steelers. It favors the Steelers to get into those rock fights, and they find themselves in those with the Ravens time and time and time again, no matter how good Lamar Jackson looks going into the game they find themselves on the right side of it. So I'm not afraid of Baltimore. How about the other division foes? Cleveland. Well, Watson's done for the year. It's the Browns. They're very similar to the Steelers. Shaky quarterback play. They can run the football. They can lean on that to gain yards, and score a few points, and they have a game-changing defense. The Browns don't quite, I think yet at least, have the splash play count, I'll say, that the Steelers defense has. The turnover margin not quite as good as what the Steelers boast, but that Cleveland defense across the board in points and yards and such, real deal. The best in the league, I think, still right now. We'll see if that holds to the rest of the season. Cincinnati, right now outside looking in at 5-4. and four. A huge game tomorrow night. That might be the best Thursday night game of the season. Certainly the most important uh, if you're a Steelers fan, Ravens and Bengals. I'm still a little bit to be determined on that. We haven't seen the Steelers play this version of Cincinnati this season. They certainly look beatable. They are 0-2 in the division. They're 1-4 in the conference. But Joe Burrow, it took him some time to figure things out. But when he's on, he is the second-best quarterback in the game. I think it's pretty indisputable behind Patrick Mahomes. And you get Joe Burrow in the playoffs, and that dude is the real deal. And I think this team could absolutely run away from the Steelers given the offensive firepower. They're not quite the same build, I'll say, as what the Ravens and Browns have. They're not as prone as those two teams to get caught up in an ugly game in a fist fight with the Steelers and not be able to come out on the other side. They have the ability to run away from them And I think we'll know a little bit more about that in about a week and a half when the teams meet for the first time. So how about Miami? Well, they haven't defeated a team better than 500. In fact, they have the most pathetic strength of victory in the entire league. A 263 win percentage is the Dolphins' strength of victory to this point in the year. The Steelers also slowed them down last season in that game. The Steelers lost the game 16-10. Kenny Pickett threw three picks. They had their chance to win that game. Miami went right down the field to start the game, but... The defense had it figured out. They slowed down that Miami attack. Now, fair to note, that was the post-Tua concussions. So... He's probably a better player right now than he was in that game. But it's fair to question the Dolphins if you get them in a big game against a good opponent who more often than not wins. I mean, a two sixty three strength of victory is really bad. The worst in the game. Buffalo, let's check in on them. Just fired the offensive coordinator in a total scapegoat move. That offense was good across the board. The quarterback just turns the ball over at an alarming rate. Almost the polar opposite of Kenny Pickett, a guy that is among the most exciting players in the game, among the most naturally gifted players in the game, but geez louise, does that dude turn the ball over. The team overall just way too careless with the football. And that's why I think if the Steelers found themselves in a playoff situation against the Bills, they could actually hang around. It wouldn't look like that game last season in early October when the Bills just blew their doors off. If they force turnovers against Buffalo, they will hang around in that game the same way that Denver did it last night or Monday night. Plus, that team might not make the playoffs anyway. That might be one of the few predictions I actually got right. How about Jacksonville? They do have a head-to-head win over the Steelers, but Lawrence hasn't looked great this season. And if the Steelers have to go there in the first round of the playoffs, is that really a scary road atmosphere? I don't know. I'm not sold on it. Houston, right now the number seven seed. I'll be honest. I think at this point, This might be the second scariest team in the AFC behind Kansas City. Maybe I would put them behind Cincinnati. But they have a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who will not only likely run away with Rookie of the Year, I think that kid is going to receive MVP votes, and they will be justified. A rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans, who might just be a younger version of Mike Tomlin. He might be the second coming of Mike Tomlin. That guy should absolutely be the coach of the year frontrunner if he already isn't. They have a very good young offensive mind as well, Bobby Slowick. That team is worrisome. They blew the doors off the Steelers to begin October. I think they could absolutely do it again. So really, the top dog for me is still Kansas City. And after that, I genuinely think that Houston and Cincinnati, teams that currently sit at 7-8 and eight in the AFC, are the next two scariest teams. Because of how they match up against some others and because of how some others play in big games, the top three of who I probably wouldn't want to see in the playoffs, Kansas City, Houston, Cincinnati, And who knows if two of those three will even make the playoffs. I guess we'll see. Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. Brian Batko, Steelers insider from the Post-Gazette. He will join me next. A little recap of the Wednesday Steelers practice and what his feelings are going into Cleveland on Sunday. Now that the Browns are without Deshaun Watson. That's coming up next. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7. The fan.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
3: Call from mom. Answer it.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Fan hotline presented by Nemco and around every corner, Nemco and creates real life magic for guests. We go out to that hotline. Right now, Brian Batko, Steelers insider from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us. Brian, the big news of the day. Deshaun Watson done for the season. Uh, getting shoulder surgery might be ready for the start of next season. Do you have a different feeling going into Sunday now without Deshaun Watson? Or are you one of the people in the camp of the Browns might actually be better without him?
0: No, I'm I'm not in that camp, Donnie. I think uh, you know. I was just looking down the laundry list of Steelers injuries today on their practice report, and and it's almost just like it almost feels inconsequential. It's like it doesn't even matter. I mean, the the Browns are going to be running out. Dorian Thompson Robinson I mean obviously it matters you you want Minka Fitzpatrick you want Cam Hayward you want Pat Fryermuth. you want all those guys to be able to go but I just you know the the one injury at quarterback on the brown side almost renders a lot of the rest of it for me not quite moot but close to it especially when you also consider that they're without their top two tackles and and maybe even their third tackle so they're they're very banged up. They won't have any sympathy for the Steelers missing their top two inside backers and whoever else can't go this weekend.
2: Yeah, and not only are they down Watson, you mentioned the the two starting tackles, uh, they also haven't had Nick Chubb since that first Steelers right. meeting who I think is their, their best player or at least their best offensive player uh, really without question. That all being said, and even though the Steelers are uh, dealing with their own injuries uh, to this point in the year, as is every team, uh, they, I think, have a golden opportunity. They've been handed a gift with this news uh, that they are looking at 7-3 and three and 3-0 three and o in the AFC North. Is it now a must-win? I mean, not in the sense of if they don't win the game that they won't go to the playoffs or anything. But I feel like winning the game, you almost assure yourself uh, that it would take a collapse to miss the playoffs.
0: I'd, I'd frame it as this way, Donnie. If if they lose, it's a bad loss now at this point. I mean, I know it's on the road, and funky, really funky things tend to happen when they go to Cleveland both ways. I mean, go all the way back to that 2018 season, right? They tie in the first game. 2019, the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph dust up. 2021, Boswell gets hurt, and they can't kick anymore. And then, uh, you know, it's it's just always something. It seems like when they play – in Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that he's out, um, I, I, as you alluded to at the beginning there, I'm I'm not one of those who thinks this is going to simplify the offense for them. And Kevin Stefanski is going to lean on the run game. I mean, you just said it, you don't have Nick Chubb anyway. Watson was, you know, he led them back to that win against the Ravens last week. And just in theory, if his shoulder's hurting, but it's not broken and he's not injured, that that doesn't mean you can't lean into uh, handing the ball off more and then throwing when you need to. So no, this is just a a huge advantage for the Steelers, and it is one of those things where the schedule breaks your way if you if you play them earlier in the season uh, with Watson healthy as you did once already and you beat them, or even if you just if you get a Dorian Thompson Robinson who's maybe a little more comfortable. Uh, by later in the year, that could behoove Cleveland as well. But I also just don't really think he's a dude. So that's that's problem number one for Kevin Stefanski and company.
2: I'm sure a lot of people uh, have this fear. We had a couple of callers today uh, from 2 to 6 and even uh, last hour who shared their concerns. A, lo- a lot of people, just given the the history of Mike Tomlin, they are worried that this is your vintage Mike Tomlin game of 2023. But I I feel like if you go back and actually dissect those games, you find something pretty similar with all of them uh, that the the Steelers don't do a lot of uh, in 2023, and that's turn the football over. I mean, I think of some bad Tomlin losses, but they were almost always accompanied by a lot of turnovers from the Steelers' offense, and we just haven't seen that this year. That, that's one thing you have to give Kenny Pickett and the offense a lot of credit for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's never easy to win on the road. I'm sure Browns fans will be out in full force despite their own tough lot in life at the moment. Uh, and, and certainly with the way this offense has bogged down for much of this season, it, it could be a slugfest and it could be a struggle to move the ball and score points. But I, I feel pretty good about the way they are gaining some momentum in the run game Tell you what, Donnie, I mean, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, I was just looking at the running back depth chart on rlads.com, which is a good, good site for tracking Yeah, I actually think NFL it's the best Rosses. one. And yeah, because you can sort the depth charts by position, which I like. I don't know that there's a clear-cut better running back duo than the way these two are playing right now. And maybe Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who were just here, but with all the injuries around the league, Um, these guys are they're at the top with the way they're running I mean you can't uh, can't ask for much more Uh, you know maybe a one fewer Najee Harris hurdle maybe one additional Najee Harris uh, broken tackle and one Jalen Warren swing pass reception but uh, they're playing at a high level right now and, and that gives me faith that the Steelers will find a way to have at least one more point on the scoreboard Sunday in Cleveland when it's all said and done no matter how tough things might get for Kenny Pickett in the pass protection.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would even say uh, that that Greensburg or the, the Greensburg, that Green Bay duo uh, that you pointed out there. I think that Warren and Harris are definitely better than that right now. I mean, I, I, Greensburg's I
0: had, uh, running back tandem.
2: Uh, probably pretty bad. Probably pretty bad as it <laughs> as it has been for uh, the better part of a decade. Uh, but we'll we'll move on. Uh, is this a game that is tailor made uh, for a? Tomlin rock fight victory or could you actually see the Steelers pulling away and winning a convincing
0: game I can see them winning convincingly I I don't know that I would bet on that but I mean hey their last double-digit win came against the Browns albeit different scenarios at home um, you know feeling feeling kind of good about yourself uh, offensively at, at that point and right now you know they're still working through some things but yeah, I just think that this defense, even without their two inside linebackers, I, I think they're gonna be able to really um, you know, counter the Browns run game. They're gonna be able to get after the passer when they do drop back the rookie other than CJ Stroud. Mike Tomlin's been really good against rookie quarterbacks yep. since twenty fifteen. So, I mean, this is this is a situation that could be a quote unquote get right game for the Steelers, allow them to win and win decisively, as is their desire, Mike Tomlin said, after that Jaguars game, which they never seem to do. So I always think it's sort of funny when he or Kenny Pickett or anybody else in that locker room says, "Uh, who cares as long as we win? I mean, (laughs) yes, that's true, but only to an extent. Your own head coach said a few weeks ago that in this league, you want to win definitively, and you guys never seem to do that. So something's got to give. Maybe that happens this week. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me either way. Wouldn't shock me if it's a you know twelve twelve six win or if they win twenty to six. Um, you know it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle for the Browns, no doubt about it. Although the Steelers, um, I can see Miles Garrett living in Kenny Pickett's back pocket.
2: Uh, is Mike Tallman worthy of being in the coach of the year discussion that some national pundits put him in?
0: if it's a broad discussion, if it's, if you're casting a wide net, then sure that he's probably got enough bullet points to get on that list somewhere, but there there are probably at least half a dozen coaches who I think are, are doing more in more dire circumstances or are doing it with a franchise that, you know, doesn't really have the bedrock of success and stability that Tomlin has with the Steelers, you know, thanks in part to, to his own, uh, work and due diligence, you know, give him credit for that. But, you know, somebody like Dan Campbell turning things around the way he has in, in Detroit, um, somebody like Mike McDaniel, uh, in, in Miami, uh, with what they're doing, uh, and somebody like Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota with all the injuries. I mean, they've, they've got to take some strides still, but, um, you know, they're on a nice little run right now with a quarterback who just showed up a couple of weeks ago. So I would give those three credit, no doubt about it. Um, and then, you know, you always have kind of the, what do you do with the typical uh, suspects, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan? Do you do you dock them as a victim of their own success? Mm-hmm. Do you dock them because of uh, the quarterback or the, the roster that they've assembled? So, you know, I think Tomlin's he's floating around there on the perimeter, but uh, need need to see kind of a lot more, need to see this team play a lot better and more consistently before I would go that far.
2: Yeah, I would even put uh, D'Amico Ryans definitely in that, conversation too. Brian Batko, Steelers insider yeah, from the good, Post Gazette. From the Post Gazette is our guest. Uh Brian, taking a look at the uh Steelers injury report for today, Pat Fryermuth uh was limited uh, with the hamstring injury. He he was designated to return from the IR. They haven't officially activated him. Uh, they'll wait until it's actually all things go for him. But are you pretty confident he will play Sunday in Cleveland?
0: I think so, but I, I'm less confident just because he did try to come back a few weeks ago and re-injured it or aggravated it, whatever you want to call it. Lands on IR. Soft tissue stuff is is very difficult. And somebody like him who, you know, his game, even as a tight end, though, is, is predicated on stretching the field, uh, being able to outrun, Linebackers at times to get to the seam, so it'd, it'd be a huge boost for him in the offense to be 100% healthy. I'm just not, uh, I'm not as confident as I normally would be if it were a different injury or a hamstring injury to a different player, like a lineman or whatever. So um, that's that's where my concern is, but um, that would be that would be big for them if, if Browning can get back. I just wouldn't risk returning too soon when you have still got. So much of the season left, and again, you know, you shouldn't need all hands on deck to win this game. I know I'm probably jinxing it by saying that, and you always want uh, to be full strength or as close to it. But I don't. I wouldn't want to risk losing him for even longer.
2: Any concern with uh, the thumb injury to Deontay Johnson that left him out of practice?
0: No, no, I don't think so. I mean, he's he's had some of these nagging things pop up here and there over time, but it seems like he. Pretty much always guts it out unless he is on IR like he was earlier this season for the first time in his career. So I, I think he'll be fine. Um, he's a vet. He, he doesn't really need all three days of practice to know um, to know the offense and the route tree and everything. So um, yeah, I think he's good to go. The other one that I'll just be a little concerned about is Keanu Neal um, with the uh, the ribs. They're just they're getting very thin down the middle, whether it's inside linebacker or safety, because in a normal Scenario, I'd say yeah, maybe you can get creative with uh, you know using Keanu Neal there a little bit or using Miles Killebrew there a little bit to replace Holcomb and Alexander. But you know one of those guys in Killebrew hasn't played much in this defense since he's been here, and the other guy Neal is missing practice in the early part of the week when you potentially could install a package where he sees more time as a traditional linebacker.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up, so you you led me right to it. Keanu Neal finding himself. Uh, on the injury report, uh, it looks like that Minka Fitzpatrick will be out as well. And then, obviously, the two season enders to Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander. Uh, now we're hearing names like Michael Walker and Tariq Carpenter. Uh, so, what kind of impact will those guys play Sunday, assuming that they get helmets?
0: I think they're going to trust Walker more just because he's been there and done that in right. the NFL. He's he's newer to this team than Carpenter only been here a couple of weeks but you know 107 tackles last year and 12 starts for the Falcons I think there's a lot to be said for that in-helmet experience as as Mike Tomlin would put it and yeah I mean just to to circle back on that you know any creativity or wrinkles you'd want to introduce I, I think you're pretty severely limited by the injuries on that front so I think they're just going to have to throw out Landon Roberts Michael Walker maybe a little bit of Mark Robinson or or Tariq Carpenter and Hope they can uh, hope they can swim in the deep end. And, and you know what? At a certain point, that is just what you have to do and expect. I, I know next man up is a cliche, but we've seen opposing teams, and and at times the the Steelers too. I think back to that the secondary in that Bucks game last year, holding down the fort with a bunch of no names who were not here for long and already gone. And then you know you you've got the Texans and the makeshift offensive line they put out there week four that didn't phase them. The Browns' offensive line back in that. Uh, COVID wild card playoff games. So these are things you just have to adjust to and roll with the punches in the NFL. And I think that's the exact circumstance that they're in right now at, at inside linebacker.
2: How much faith did they have in Mark Robinson? I mean, he was a seventh-round pick, but uh, I, I feel like he, he caught early uh, mentions of Vince Williams uh, that would— draw comparisons i mean i know that i i can see those comparisons whenever he plays uh we see him a lot on special teams and i i kind of like him whenever he's out on the field i know he certainly has his limitations but how much faith do the coaches have in mark robinson
0: i don't know that it's a lot donnie because i think in in special teams it's it's essentially see ball get ball he's very good at that Preseason training camp kind of the same thing but I don't know how much they trust him in game situations with his knowledge of the defense and just his knowledge of the position, having only played it for a year, I believe in college at, at, Mississippi before he was a seventh round pick. So I think he's, he's still very much a work in progress. And Terrell Austin hasn't really been shy in saying that dating back to the end of, of last season, when he started to get his feet wet over Devin Bush in those late season games, where it was more about sea ball, get ball against the Ravens and the Browns. So, you know, There's promise there. There's a lot to like about his mentality and the the way he plays the game, the way he lays the wood on people. But if you can't be trusted by the coaches to not screw up a pivotal third down or a pivotal red zone snap that can be the difference between seven points and three for the other team, then that's going to limit your ability to get on the field.
2: I saw a tweet today about Joey Porter Jr. and how he might have a case for, defensive rookie of the year by the time the season is over because there hasn't been like that one rookie defensive player that has really just uh, gone head and shoulders above the rest. But uh, do you think there's a case there? I mean, I I feel like there have been very few negative Joey Porter Jr. plays uh, so far in his rookie season.
0: There have been, yeah, and and he's, he's made some standout plays as well, like the pick against the Ravens. The way that he you know held his own against DeAndre Hopkins to help win that titans game i mean i I've seen clips i I don't really sit down and watch full eagles games, but seeing clips of Jalen Carter what he's doing four sacks five t f l seven qB hits i mean beyond the the stats, it looks like he's just absolutely wrecking games already for mm-hmm. them, which of course he is like we knew the talent was there this time last year he was being he got us, him. Uh, you know right yeah and this time last year a lot of people were saying that eh, he's gonna be the best player in the draft and um you know off off the field distractions and and tragedies and, and whatnot surrounded him and he dropped but i think he's probably number one porter would be in that next mix for me i'm actually going to write about that i think soon that not just defensive rookie of the year but uh chances that the steelers have in a lot of different awards when we talked about tomlin coach obviously tj watt and defensive player of the year it's uh, he's always a contender for it. And, uh, you know, we'll see about Joey Porter Jr. I think to some degree it depends on how much do the voters look beyond some of the traditional numbers and, you know, what, what credence do they give to corners who are shutting down one side of the field but maybe maybe not getting a ton of interceptions. It may, maybe helps him that Sauce Gardner won it last year, um, you know, ma- mostly taking receivers out of the game as a rookie.
2: Brian Batko, Steelers insider from the Post-Gazette. Brian, thanks for taking the time.
0: Anytime, Donnie. We'll see man.
2: There you go, Brian Batko, Steelers insider from the PG with some great stuff there Uh, as of the Steelers practice report on Wednesday, who we may or may not see on Sunday in Cleveland. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee. Unless we get money for you. 412 928 9370 for you to join the conversation. You want to give your thoughts on these Steelers heading into Cleveland on Sunday? Are the Browns actually better off without Deshaun Watson? Have the Steelers been handed a gift in this situation? 412 928 9370. Get to some of your thoughts on that next. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7, The Fan.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: The city of Pittsburgh kicks off the holidays on Saturday, November 18th, at its official tree lighting ceremony. Festivities along Grant Street include fireworks, live music, and one-of-a-kind gingerbread house displays. Details at 937thefan.com. Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio, 937thefan. Sean Myers with me tonight, running the ones and twos. We'll have you up until ten thirty five? then it is the nightly sports call which will be simulcast here on the fan and on kdka plus 412-928-9370 that's the number if you want to join the conversation talking steelers browns right now the big news of the day deshaun watson done for the season shoulder surgery do you feel better or worse about this game? Some people out there believe that the Browns might actually be better without Deshaun Watson. I can't quite get there, but maybe you're in that camp. 412-928-9370. A call from enemy lines here. It looks like Jeff in Cleveland. Jeff, you're on the fan. What's up?
4: Hey, good evening. Good evening. First of all, anybody who thinks that the Browns are better off without Deshaun uh, I know that last week here we uh, voted to legalize marijuana in Ohio, but anyone who thinks that needs to put the weed down, okay? Um, th- you know, that th- it couldn't have been worse and at a worse time. You know, the narrative across the country, uh, Donnie, has been that Deshaun has not played well. Well, if you look, especially at the games at home, They scored twenty. The games he played, they scored twenty-four against Cincinnati, twenty-seven against the Titans, twenty-seven. Albeit it was against the Cardinals, but still, what I'm getting at. And then last week, the drive against the, the second half, the Browns had the ball three times, a touchdown, touchdown, field goal to win the game. So no, they're not better off. I, for the life of me, do not understand why. And this goes all the way back to training camp, Donnie. They, this is not a new thing. People here were scratching our heads wondering why they traded Joshua Dobbs. Not that Joshua Dobbs is going to be fitted for a gold jacket anytime soon, but you didn't have a back, you didn't have a veteran backup behind your starting quarterback. And given the nature of the National Football League, that player can go down at any time. Duh, which is what we just saw. So. You know, this goes back to training camp. Then you the, the injury happens to Watson, okay, and you announce a rookie, fifth-round rookie, to start a game that is pivotal in this division, that the winner of this game, should the Bengals win tomorrow night, will have a leg up on the division, uh, uh, winning the division, and yet you're going to start a rookie. That's another head-scratcher but what it seems like to me is, is Andrew Barry trying to justify his draft pick, uh, potentially to the detriment of the team. That's how I see it. You know, it just ruined what was really a uh, a great weekend. You know, the Cavs beat Golden Stank on Saturday. The softest, softest Charmin, Angel, soft, soft Buckeyes, uh, won, uh, and then, you know, the the game against the Ravens, and now this news. So, most people here aren't feeling really good. Uh We still think that the Browns could possibly win this game only because of the defense and perhaps maybe being able to run the ball and hopefully DTR not losing the game for you. But you, you hit the nail on the head. It's very similar, although I like your quarterback uh, – Position better right now because Kenny Pickett has played more games, obviously, than DTR. But now with Watson out, the offenses are very similar. The defenses are so. So I guess it's the cliche as to the team that turns it over the less is going to win. But this was really uh, this was really a, a blow and it, uh, took everybody here down off the high we were riding because we looked at it. Like I said, that, you know, before the Watson injury, we looked at if the Browns had pulled this out on Sunday and the Bengals were to beat the Ravens, the Browns have a very favorable schedule for the next rest of the year that they could have won the division. But now all of that is up in the air.
2: Yeah, Jeff, thank you for the call. I like that little look behind enemy lines. Uh, pointed out a couple of different things there. Uh, I, I like his point how they. They voted to legalize marijuana in Ohio last week, and he said anybody thinking that DTR is a better option at quarterback than Deshaun Watson must have gotten their hands on some pretty quickly. Uh, Watson, yeah, he's been shaky this year, but he does have some some pretty good starts in there. Uh, the game against Tennessee, which came right after the first meeting against the Steelers, he was really good he completed almost 82% of his passes uh nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh the game against Arizona, got a couple of lucky bounces in that game against Arizona. Uh but still uh 19 of 30, 219, two touchdowns, no picks. Like he's played some clean games. Uh they all haven't been total disasters this season. And I mean, I I think you you have to agree that it's a better situation uh if watson is actually healthy tim is in washington what's up tim
4: yeah what's up with y'all
2: what's on your mind tim how how y'all doing tonight good good
4: yeah i was coming to talk about the real quick. hold on all right yeah earlier you were talking about who should we fear
2: yeah yeah like who, who in the who in the afc do you really fear
4: Alright, yeah. So really we should only fear Kansas City for Because 'Cause they're the only team in ASC that has won a Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Like the Bengals went and they ain't really win it. But they're a division opponent. I don't really fear the Bengals, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean I I see your point there, Tim, and and thank you for the call. I mean now whenever Burrow gets going though, man, he's he's hard to beat. I mean he he is he's one of the only guys that has gone into Kansas City and has gone toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game and has beaten Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. He almost did it again last year. The Bengals took a stupid penalty and then a field goal sent Kansas City to the Super Bowl, but like I see the point, it's an AFC North game and AFC